This is Iran, a highly controversial nation that has of course made headlines in recent months for hostilities back and forth between the United States. Hostility towards the United States is really nothing new in and of itself, but these particular hostilities have gained so much attention in part because Iran is a very, very powerful military nation in its own right. A lot of that power comes down to its economy, which gives it the ability to be a force that people actually fear engaging with. Even outside of hostilities and fear-mongering, the economy of Iran is a really interesting case study because it is one of the largest modern economies that draws policy not only from economic and political theory, but also directly from the teachings of Islam, which gives it some really interesting characteristics. Now a huge disclaimer here is that I know a lot of these topics in this video will be incredibly controversial. We are here to look at a unique economy as a case study, not to draw conclusions on what is good or bad. Now with that out of the way, there are some things that you need to know about Iran. Of course, the big and obvious one is that it is a nation with a huge reserve of oil. Now despite what most people think, having huge reserves of natural resources is not necessarily a golden ticket to success. We have explored nations like Venezuela and the Democratic Republic of the Congo before on the channel. Both nations with huge reserves of fossil fuels and precious materials, and both home to terrible economies. The fundamental reason we found for this was a lot of instability in the nation itself which meant that the country could not really actually capitalize on its natural resource wealth to achieve anything of substance. The same is ultimately true for Iran. It has to be acknowledged that a majority of Iran's wealth is derived from oil and gas. That is just an unavoidable fact. But this isn't another story of a nation fueled by oil wealth. There is more to consider than oil alone when looking at Iran. A huge consideration is the way that traditional Islamic beliefs intertwine themselves with modern economic policies in the nation. And nowhere is this fluid relationship more evident than in Iranian bonyads. Bonyads are one of the most important things to understand when you are looking at the economy of Iran. A bonyad is a charitable trust structure heavily tied to the state of Iran and intertwined with the teachings of Islam. Officially, these entities are non-for-profit organizations that operate to redistribute wealth to poor and destitute citizens of Iran, as well as the families of martyrs for the state. So, you know, okay. In reality, these institutions fall under the direct control of the supreme leader of Iran, and many have criticized them for being extensions of the government that further the control of Iran's head of state. The thing to know about these institutions is that they are not like the Iranian version of the Red Cross Foundation. They are full-on companies. These bonyads make heavy investments into real estate, companies, infrastructure projects and the like. They also get money directly from the government from charitable and tax-deductible donations, and from their investments. On top of this, the bonyads are tax-exempt and don't even have to produce accounting statements for their business operations. It must be known that these are not small operations. Bonyads make up nearly 20% of Iran's GDP, which causes issues. Iran has a private sector and has in recent decades tried to promote the growth of service industries and value-adding domestic corporations, which is great. Facilitating the operation of competitive businesses is a really important part of any good economy. 
but these boneyards may get really, really hard to compete. If you are trying to stay start a hotel company in Iran, you would have to compete with the dozens of boneyards that have investments in the commercial hospitality market. These boneyards are subsidized by the state, don't have to produce financial records or adhere to accounting standards, and don't have to pay tax, which puts your non-subsidized, regulated, and taxed business at a bit of a disadvantage in the open market. This has in many instances stifled proper economic development in proper industries, which could have offered the Iranian economy room to grow outside of just oil and gas markets. Most oil-rich nations on Earth realize that oil wealth is fleeting, and the smart nations try extremely hard to diversify their revenue base. The United Arab Emirates has invested heavily into tourism and establishing themselves as a base of operations for multinationals looking to conduct business in the Middle East. Norway has set up its sovereign wealth fund to pay for social programs well after the oil runs dry. And Iran is trying to set up a local service economy, but these bonyads keep on getting in the way. Now the Iranian government is the central authority for the nation and could easily disband these operations overnight if they wanted to. Which begs the question, why don't they? If bonyads are getting in the way of the future economic development of the nation, why would a centrally planned state keep them around? Well, for starters, we have to remember the whole Islamic nation thing. Getting rid of these institutions would be like trying to get rid of churches in America. To most citizens, these bonyads simply look like charities, and so for the most part, there is still popular support for their existence. And it must be recognized that these organizations do still offer this kind of support. But it is pretty far from their primary operation. The second part, and probably more important issue here, is that these bonyads employ tens of thousands of people. Part of this is an attempt to maintain their popularity, but a big part of this is getting money to where it needs to be. In order for the Iranian government to maintain control over the nation, they need to make sure that the right people are making money to maintain the status quo. A major criticism of these bonyads is that they are just a big, bloated piece of bureaucracy that allows central leadership to channel corruption through phony appointments of generals, oligarchs, and royal family members into positions within these organizations. The Iranian bonyads are a very bizarre system that has huge impacts on the greater economy. They are a semi-private, semi-government, semi-religious entity that somehow manages to pick and choose the advantages pertaining to each one of those classifications and claim them all together. Imagine if the megachurches of the United States started running hotel chains and telecommunications companies. Now, imagine if they controlled 20% of the nation's economy. That is how the Bonyads do. Now, you might be forgiven for thinking at this point that Iran is just a write-off. The large economy is little more than some oil-fueled corrupt sandcastle that will crumble as soon as the oil money dries up, and in many cases, you might be right. It doesn't seem too dissimilar from what we saw in Venezuela, and we know what happened to that nation after it was hit with sanctions like the one the US has placed on Iran. What might surprise you though is that the Tehran Stock Exchange, the central securities exchange for Iranian companies, has been one of the best performing stock markets in the world over the last decade. Most markets around the world have been on a bit of a winning streak over the past decade, 
primarily following the direction of the New York Stock Exchange, which has had its market cap quadruple since the 2008 mortgage crisis just 12 years ago. Now this growth seems impressive, and it is, but it is nothing on the growth of the Tehran Stock Exchange located in Tehran, the capital of Iran. The market capitalization, or basically total market value of all companies listed on the Tehran Stock Exchange has quadrupled in the past two years, and it is on an extremely strong growth trajectory. Now, it must be recognized that the total Iranian stock exchange is still very, very small, with a market capitalization position of around $180 billion in early 2019, which is around a fifth of the size of Amazon, which is just one stock listed on one of the dozens of stock markets in America. But even with its small size being recognized, it must be noted that this level of growth is extremely impressive. On paper, it has created more wealth than the explosion in Bitcoin's value, and it is mostly going towards the citizens of Iran, as well as a select group of foreign investors that are brave enough to enter that market. So what is going on here? We have seen many, many times on the channel before that stability is the foundation of a strong economy. Citizens and governments and investors all do well than there is stability. Now Iran is anything but stable. It has been the victim of sanctions from the international community. It has been involved in wars and conflicts. It is marred by inbuilt corruption. And it is ultimately governed by an authoritarian leader, not the recipe for an investor's paradise. Now, you might be saying, well, of course the stock market will do all right besides all of this. They still have oil to sell, and it is very, very easy to invest into an oil company because other countries will always have to buy oil. Well, sure, but Iran's sole oil company, the National Iranian Oil Company, is 100% state-owned, so its shares aren't even sold on the market. What's more is that this company is actually really bad at producing oil. Sure, it can dig it out of the ground, but Iran's oil production capacity is so limited that they are almost exclusively reliant on other nations to refine their crude petroleum. This has resulted in a hilarious turn of luck. Fuel in Iran, one of the largest oil producing nations in the world, is actually rationed and is three times the price of fuel in the USA. This is because they can't produce any refined petroleum themselves, and there are not many countries left that are willing to trade with them. So oil wealth is off the table to explain the stock market. So what about Iran's other industries? Well, surprisingly, Iran is actually a source of cheap labor for the world's source of cheap labor, China, who is its primary export and import partner. Iran has companies that produce cars and lower-tech industrial goods and sell them to its local markets as well as its limited export market. Now, these companies are uh, not great. Remember, on top of being severely limited with who they can trade with internationally, they also have to compete with the Iranian bonyads, which threaten to undermine their business if they choose to move into the same industry. So the question remains then, who in their right mind would invest in these kinds of companies? Well, Iranians with not much other choice. 
Because of limitations set by the Iranian government and international sanctions, there is not much of an opportunity for Iranian citizens to invest into overseas securities. So this limits their options. What is more is that Iran is actually so unstable and its currency is inflating at such a high rate that securities are seen as more stable than cash. In the United States, people save money in bank accounts, and that is generally seen as safer than investing it into the stock market. But the stock market offers more of an opportunity to make more money long term. In Iran, due to inflation, you are losing huge amounts of money every year if you have any savings in a regular bank account. So there has been a huge rush to invest into anything as a way to alleviate the impacts of inflation on individual savings. This huge increase in demand has also led to a huge increase in price, which has had the ongoing effect of causing a speculative bubble that has also attracted foreign participants looking to roll the dice. Iran is a major military power that has been blessed with an abundance of natural resources that has in turn fueled their economic growth to raise Iran to the level that it's at today. But Nations are like people, and oil-rich nations are like people that win the lottery. Sure, for some it can be a life-changing and extremely positive experience, but for most, the limitations in their own way of handling finance leads to catastrophic outcomes. Iran is a weird economy with hangovers from centuries-old practices mixed in with modern financial instruments that are producing very, very strange outcomes, like Mega church entities that own a fifth of their economy and a stock market that everybody openly acknowledges is in a bubble but continue to invest in anyway because they have no better option. Beyond all of this though, it is important to remember that Iran is a nation of people. Not necessarily evil people, but for the most part, normal people. People that want to save money to increase their standard of living for themselves and their family. Economics is a study of people and it is important to remember that all people have motivations in an economic system. Whether it is desperately holding on to power, getting rich off the oil wealth of their homeland, or simply taking action to ensure that their life savings are not evaporated with inflation. If you understand the economics, you will be a lot closer to understanding the people and the nation that they make up. Hi guys, thanks for watching, and a special thanks to our amazing new patrons over on Patreon. You guys continue to make this channel possible. Otherwise, I will be hosting a Q&A session for this video for half an hour after this video goes live. If you want to participate in that, either jump onto our YouTube live stream linked in the video description, or jump onto our Discord server to chat with me directly, also linked in the video description. Otherwise, I hope you guys enjoyed this video. If you did, please consider liking and subscribing. Cheers guys, bye.